Hi there, and welcome to the T21 Mum Podcast. My name is Mary, and I'll be your host. Each episode, we'll talk about life, Down syndrome, mamahood, single parenting, and pretty much everything in between. I have a daughter named Ainsley, and she's seven years old and rockin' an extra chromosome, also known as Down syndrome. And I am living life my way. And today, I have Ron with me, but we're in two different locations. Hey, Mary, as we're practicing our four physical distancing. Yes. (laughs) I know you prefer that term rather than social distancing. Well, the other one's a bit disingenuous and, you know, it's people can still be social. I mean, I can still talk to my neighbors as long as I'm six feet away, six feet away. And uh, so I, you know, I, I, I just find the whole calling it social distancing is incorrect because we still are being social. I mean, you and I have spoken several times through our, you know, internet connections mm-hmm. over the last few days as we, you know, as we work to build the workflow for the podcast from your place and my place and helping you get trained up so that you can use the microphone and the computer and the mixer and stuff at your place. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's kind of scary, but yes, I'm doing it. Well, I mean, yeah, and, and like a lot of things in this time, we get used to, I don't want to use the term new normal, but we get used to doing new things. Yeah, for sure. And thinking in outside the box sometimes, and sometimes thinking that maybe we need a new box. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so the there's a lot of bad information out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, like people are spreading these memes across different platforms saying you know hey you got to listen to me because i got this information from my second cousin three times removed on my mother's side yeah and you know you should really be paying more pay attention to not that Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of really uh good accurate information available through you know the government of canada website the you know here in british columbia the you know the bc health website uh down in the states there is the you know the cdc listening to like the 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 major news media outlets not Mm -hmm. some half-baked guy in some locked away in his mother's basement somewhere yeah and and by listening to experts you know here in bc we listen to dr bonnie henry who's the provincial health officer Mm -hmm. Uh, we listen to the federal minister of health and down in the states like uh, dr anthony fauci from the uh, is leading the the u.s government response going to the cdc website the center for disease control website those are reliable places that you can get information from yes and we should think about that because that's actually what we're going to talk about today yeah and and going to like like you know you and i have discussed this before about how do we build a show around a topic and where can we find someone who is knowledgeable about this because you and I talking about this is just you know we're just voices in the ether who you know you're a mom you you have a concern about this I'm a technician and pseudo journalist informed that you know I spent 33 years working in television and and radio Mm -hmm. and so talking to people who actually know what's going on and have knowledge of healthcare. Mm mm-hmm and uh, knowledge of the social structure that we're having to create now around physical distancing and trying to get food and trying to get supplies. Yeah. Those are, those are the people we should be listening to. And, you know, on, on, we should be saving our, our social media. And, and again, you know, this is just me going on a bit of a rant for this, is, <laughs> 
is we should be saving our social media for socializing. Yeah. Right. For bringing people together, not sharing stupid memes. Yeah. Right. Show like put pictures up of your kids playing of what you're doing. What are you doing with your family? Uh, you know, impress people with your presence in the world. Right? Yes. Because that's what social media is really for. It's for human beings to be social, not spread stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry. It's just like I said, it's just a bit of a rant. And, <laughs> That's okay. and we should be, you know, we should be using technology to bring ourselves closer because we can't be physically in the same room. Yeah. As you and as you and I are doing here and as other podcast uh, and uh, YouTubers are doing around the world is we're trying to create through the technology a conversation around what's going on and other things. Mm -hmm. Exactly. 25 years ago, we didn't really like the internet and the means for us to carry on. If this had happened 25 years ago, people would have been going crazy. Yeah. More crazy than they probably are now. Uh, going crazy trying to reach their uh, family members. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And try like even even governments trying to get information out. You, you couldn't really do it. So we should be thankful that we have this technology uh, to communicate with each other. Mm -hmm. in factual and family ways yeah right? so and, and and reach out to your family right yeah and that's why i thought you know because we're kind of in unprecedented times you know i thought it would be a great opportunity to share with our listeners because i i know i am seeing it on all the different forums you know people are they're worried you know they're worried about themselves and especially their children who may have some you know other conditions and you know that could make them more susceptible to COVID-19 so right right but yeah. don't but don't go too overboard on, on the fear thing like learn like you can well that's why we discerning discerning consumer of information yeah right? and that's why I you know I got in touch with Dr. Pearson who is going to be on today she is a naturopath and a physician and right. she is going to give us some tips on what we can do to help our kiddos during this time and for ourselves as well. And so let me ask you, let me ask you, uh, you know, like, you know, you're at home today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and you're at home with Ainsley. Mm -hmm. And how are you guys occupying your time? Well, it's hard. You know, I'm still working because I'm an essential service and daycare is still open for the time being. You know, I don't know how long that's going to be, but, you know, I do feel an obligation to to work because of the type of work that I do, but also to try to keep, you know, our little family safe. So, you know, we're spending a little bit more time than normal on the iPad. We're going to do some baking later today. You Ooh, know, baking. Yeah. And, you know, we go for some walks, keeping our distance and, you know, just doing stuff like that. So. Yeah. And are you and are you working on, you know, school work with her? I will. We're still are, technically are, are, are in spring break. Are you being the teacher? We're well, we're still in spring break. So after that, right. yes. Yeah, for okay. sure. So. Yeah. You know, but I and, think And and are you, how how are you feeling like like I mean, I'm sure so many parents out there are trying to uh cope with all of this and, you know, we we've done shows on self-care and we and and that kind of thing and how are you coping with that? It's hard. I'm trying to do some self-care. Yeah, I uh, did. Uh, I went in on Zoom to with the with my knitting group the other day, so right. that was kind of fun. Cause I like I, Zoom. Yeah, so we did that. I've, but I've used it for a couple of things, and and it's it's a great platform. Yeah, so that was kind of fun because I hadn't been able to go to the group for a while, 
so I did that and you know just kind of we're just hanging at home pretty much but you know I think right now that parents really need to give themselves grace during this challenging time I know like I'm not cut out to homeschool and currently it's still like I said officially spring break but you know I do want to work on reading and some writing and and counting. I was, I was talking to uh, I was talking to one of my neighbors from a respectful distance, mm -hmm. um, and uh, the way he was talking, he he seemed quite frightened. Well, <laughs> but teach their own, right? To home, oh, he seemed to home a little bit frightened about having yeah. to homeschool his kid. Right? Yeah, no, it is scary. But I mean, I have heard that you know they, you know, we're not you know we're not meant to just suddenly get into homeschooling, but. Right you know and that the schools will you know they're it's unprecedented times and you know they will rise to the challenge and and i'm confident of that so because overall ainsley you know she's pretty healthy and is doing okay but you know like i mentioned before we're constantly battling the ear infections and you know but she's still in daycare until it's not open so i can't keep her completely isolated however i know for a lot of parents out there this is really a hard time you know having just our kids at home and and the concern about our kids being around other people at this time right and you talked to dr erica pearson who mm -hmm. is down in portland correct yeah okay so and she was talking about specifically about health and ki uh, children with down syndrome yeah she deals a lot with uh, children with down syndrome she has a child herself with down syndrome and uh she's gonna talk to us on things that we can do to help our children at this time and also for ourselves and you know I think she gave gives some really great tips on what we can do because this is a stressful time for everybody and a challenging time and we just got to do the best that we can okay so should we go talk to uh, uh, Dr. Pearson yeah let's go and talk to her I've been reading a lot on various forums how many of us are very concerned about what is going on right now in the world and also obviously of course about our kids. So today I'm really excited to have on the T21 Mum podcast uh, Dr. Pearson of Pearson Center for Children or Children, I'm sorry I probably didn't get it correctly but perhaps you can give me the correct yeah. name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's the Pearson Center for Children. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on and, um, you know, giving us your valuable time to talk about something that is obviously on everybody's minds right now. <laughs> yeah. So perhaps sure. you can just maybe give us a little bit of a background about, uh, about who you are. Yeah, sure. So um, I am a naturopathic physician. Um, so, you know, I was trained in naturopathic medical school. Um, our training is the same in terms of um, uh, learning basic biochemistry, pathophysiology, clinical physical diagnosis. Um, so really our medical school training is the same. Uh, just as a naturopathic physician, we choose um, to use uh, more natural means, I, I would say, to support the body's healing process and look at more kind of root causes of dysfunction within the body. Um, so that's my medical training. But to go back a little bit further, I've been working with children with special needs for many years. Um, grew up with my own, uh, you know, family experience there, and then worked at Shriners Hospital for Children for about 14 years, oh, all wow. through um, undergrad and medical school. And then even before that, I was uh, an emergency medical technician, so I had a fair amount of experience in conventional medicine as well. So that's a yeah, a little bit of my professional background, anyways. Yeah. But you also have a child with Down syndrome too though right 
I do, yes. Yeah. So where my uh, where the segues into uh, specifically focusing on children with Down syndrome and now beyond that, of course, started with yeah the birth of my own son who is 12 years old, and uh, yeah you know struggled with uh, several things early on mm-hmm. um, in his life, and now is I would say is you know very healthy and thriving, uh, you know in large part because of the work that that we do to keep him healthy. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. That's awesome. Yeah. So, and I know that we met briefly at the retreat and I did go to your breakout session on gut health, which I thought was really informative. So maybe we'll have to have you back on to talk something about more about that too, if, if you're up for that. So absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That would be wonderful. So like, I am not any expert or anything, you know, so, you know, when we're reading so much stuff that's going on, but from what I've heard, children's seem to not be as impacted by the COVID-19 as adults but what about our kids with the lower immunity like are they in a similar place as like an elderly person or someone who's immunocompromised or has an underlying condition? Yeah, so I think comparing them to somebody who is elderly with some underlying conditions is difficult, of course. There Mm -hmm. are so many uh, factors here, I believe, that are impacting those who are struggling a bit more with this virus. Um, And so certainly our children with Down syndrome, I believe, you know, definitely fall in the category of being, you know, more susceptible to, you know, significant um, consequences from this virus. Um, given their yeah, status of uh, many of them being immunocompromised. Now, one message that I often have throughout my practice in general, you know, with our children with Down syndrome, number one is they are all unique, mm-hmm. right? They are all unique. So their immune system is all unique. So what I would say is there is a tendency towards, yeah, some immune, uh, you know, dysfunction and immunodeficiency in our children, which leads to increased susceptibility to general, you know, viral infections and things. Um, and so we'll get to the point of, you know, how can we uh, alleviate some of those causes and is it even possible? You know, we'll get to that. But, yeah, they are at a, a higher risk, um, which, you know, prompted my, you know, writing of my blog post and, and my my concern. Sure. Yes. And I did. And that's what made me reach out to you. And we'll put a link to your blog post on our in our show notes and also on our website. So, like, for example, my daughter Ainsley, like, for the most part, she's pretty healthy, but she does mm-hmm. tend to get a lot of ear infections. So I guess that's mm-hmm. upper considered upper respiratory. But mm-hmm. is one of the reasons, I mean, I was listening to something else recently about like one of the reasons our kiddos tend to be a little bit more impacted is just their genetic makeup, mm-hmm. like you were just saying, like they tend mm-hmm. to have the smaller nasal passages. Um, so is that sort of like a factor mm-hmm. in all this? Yeah, so the nasal passages uh, being smaller, a smaller airway in general, I think it can be one factor, Mm -hmm. um, but I think what we're looking at more is um, the cellular component of the immune system, uh, the innate immune system, the adaptive immune system, uh, lymphocytes. Um, When you're looking at the airway, that's more of a kind of a gross mechanical uh, interference with okay. the immune system and the body's ability to certainly clear mucus, um, the strength of their cough, right? That can oh, definitely okay. impact the ability to clear, you know, um, viruses and mucus and things. Um, but I think what concerns me in addition to that, maybe more so, is more on a cellular level. Okay. Um, 
and, and the ability to fight off infections based on some nutritional things, again, that we can talk about mm -hmm. um, in a little bit, kind of in the, in the what to do aspect here. But, um, but I think the airway is a, is a part of it, but I'm more concerned about the immune system itself. Yeah. So like regardless, like for example, my daughter Ainsley, like she doesn't have a heart mm. condition and, and yeah. generally is fairly healthy. Great. So say someone has had a heart repair. So you would think that they're mm -hmm. on par with other kiddos with Down syndrome. So would you say in this state of what we're in right now, would it be similar? Yeah, so when you're talking about a heart to, uh, repair, um, I think probably referring to like an atrial septal defect mm -hmm. surgery or a ventricular septal defect surgery um, early on, usually, typically yeah. um, in infancy. I don't know of any data mm -hmm. that tells us that that specific surgery and that history contributes to increased susceptibility to this virus. Okay. Um, now, the what the studies that came out are showing um, that those who uh, were more significantly impacted by this virus, um, look, I'm gonna look, I'm gonna be frank here. I'm, I'm gonna call them non-survivors, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's what we're worried about. And so uh, those individuals did have coronary heart disease, mm -hmm. which is a different mechanism than, of course, an atrial septal defect. Okay. Yeah. I think. Yeah. That might make a lot of parents feel yeah. a little more at ease because it, it is yeah. scary times and and I know our pediatrician like a long time ago just said she said just kids with Down syndrome just tend to have like a slightly lower immunity than yeah. the typical population so yeah one and one last thing about the heart repair if they have if they had an early on you know heart surgery technically that heart is repaired it is healed technically it is you know should be as strong as any other child's heart um, and unless there is an additional underlying, you know, heart condition, mm -hmm. just an atrial septal defect or a ventricular septal defect is not going to, as far as I know, increase the susceptibility to this specific virus. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, good. that helps. Yeah. Yes. No, for sure. And I mean, obviously we should all be practicing like social distancing and, and again, I'm no expert, but one of the first signs that I've read about is a fever. And I know in my case, like for Ainsley, she, she tends to seem like whenever I've even taken her temperature, when I thought she might've had a fever, she doesn't even seem to be at the, um, the typical temperature. It mm -hmm. always seems to be a little bit mm -hmm. lower. And I was sort of reading a, a little bit about that on various forums that a lot of people, other parents of kids with Down syndrome have said that their kids don't typically show the signs of a fever, I guess, or mm -hmm. indicate that they have a fever. So I don't know, like, is there other things that we should be looking for? I mean, obviously, we're trying to keep our kids at distance and, and self-isolate if we can, but not everyone can do that. But what would you suggest in this case? Yeah, I think that um, yeah, you're right that many of our children will register um, slightly lower temperature. Now, that can be related to some um, you know, subclinical hypothyroidism that is uh, previously undiagnosed, perhaps. Okay. Um, it is a little bit of a metabolic issue. And again, we can get to some of that. Um, I would get a baseline temperature on your child. Okay. Um, so that you know, you know, do they run 98.6? Do they run 96.8? Um, what you do about that, that's a whole other story. But to know what their baseline is, so, and maybe even, I don't know, document it, take a picture, so that mm -hmm. if some medical profession professional says, well, your child is at 98.2, they do not have a fever. You say, no, no, that actually my child's baseline is 96. I believe this is sort of a fever for them. 
So I think getting a baseline temperature wouldn't be a bad idea. And then somehow documenting it so that a medical professional can see that. Yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. That's very good advice. Thank you. Yeah. But you mentioned other symptoms too, um, to look for. Like what, I mean, you just, it's just because, I mean, I'm sure kind of where you are and I mean, there's a lot of hysteria. I'm trying to remain calm, but to be mm-hmm. educated and mm-hmm. trying to only get my information from credible um, health resources is mm-hmm. like, are there other things that we should be looking for in our, our children? Because they don't always present mm-hmm. like the typical population. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they can't tell, many of the, them can't mm-hmm. say, you yeah. know, I have a sore, I have a sore throat. Mm-hmm. So you have to look for signs of those things. So some, some of those signs are um, increased fatigue and, and lethargy, right? Okay. If they are, and, and again, that fatigue can look like irritability, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know when I'm a little bit tired, I might be a little more irritable. And so, um, so not just looking, but most, most parents know, you know, their child and, and if they are just a little bit off, seem a little bit more tired, um, that could potentially be a sign. Okay. A, a sore throat is a sign. Now, a sore throat can look like a change in their desire to want to eat certain foods or certain textures of foods or not wanting to swallow certain things. Um, many of our children already have swallowing um, challenges. Yeah. Uh, but you want to look for, you know, extra signs of a sore throat. Um, and then of course the dry cough, right. That most of us have been, um, have heard about Mm -hmm. now a dry cough is going to be a cough that is not wet and productive. So you're not going to hear mucus in there. Okay. Um, and then again, shortness of breath is going to be hard to see. Um, if you, if you're really concerned about your kiddo, if you want to get a baseline, uh, respiratory rate, Mm-hmm. So literally, you either watch your child when they're not aware that you're watching them. You look at your at your watch, and you either count 30 seconds or a minute, Okay. and you watch how often are they taking a breath, right? Maybe they're watching a show or not eating, of course, but I, I think maybe wa- reading a book or just sitting quietly. Mm-hmm. Watch how and get a respiratory rate. Okay. So an increased respiratory rate is going to be a sign of, 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 a, of ah. a problem. Okay. Sure. That, that, yeah. Okay. That's excellent. I, I hadn't even yeah. thought of that. That's very good advice. Perfect. Thank you. And um, what are some things that you can suggest that we can maybe do for our children during this time that can help boost their immunity? I mean, I know we're all doing the social distancing and so forth, but what other things can we do at this time? Yeah, I think you phrased it really well, uh, boosting the immune system, general antivirals. Again, there are many of us are looking at studies that are coming out specifically for this COVID-19 virus. Uh, But in general, we do have a lot of tools uh, to support the immune system and make sure the immune system is optimal, specific for our children with Down syndrome. Um, So Gosh, number one week thing we can do. This is what I've been saying on social media: is um, is is diet. Before I dive okay. into supplements and you know and, and maybe even herbs, is diet number one. Um, you can't take, you can't out supplement a bad diet. I've said that so many times. Yes, I've seen that. <laughs> right? You can't, you know, give your. I mean, I, I don't. No judgment, you guys. I seriously no judgment. You know, so some of our kids are very picky eaters, but look, you can't feed a kiddo. You know. Um, Fruit Loops and Taco Bell or whatever it is on the full, you know, end of the spectrum there. Yeah. Um, and then give them a supplement, expect everything to be fine. So we and my family have been eating the healthiest we have ever eaten. Um, okay. And so 
so I would say diet first, mm-hmm. right? I know, again, I know our, a lot of our kids are picky eaters, um, but now's the time to really try to challenge them and to, you know, keep putting those vegetables in front of them and, and pulling sugar wherever you can. Okay. Um, so the number one thing we can do for our immune system is a healthy diet and pulling sugar. Okay. Um, sugar really pulls down the immune system. Um, and can be very taxing on the body in general. So uh, when I say pulling sugar, you know, juices, mm-hmm. definitely, you know, white sugar, white pasta, white rice. Okay. Um, and then, you know, cookies and cakes and things, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, we're, we're all hanging out at home. We're, you know, we're trying to keep our kids happy, but um, find some other way as, as w- would be my recommendation. Okay. So that's number one mm-hmm. um, for the immune system. Now, you know, in terms of uh, supplements and the like, I, I think there are some top ones that I it would be ideal to have labs going mm-hmm. into this. So this is really tricky. Um, yeah. Is that we would love it if you know our our families could that we're working with could go to the lab right now, get a zinc <laughs> level, get a vitamin D level, get a CBC, but we're staying away from hospitals and clinics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so it's ideal that we have some some information about our child kind of going into this um, in terms of their vitamin D level. Um, we often get uh, serum zinc and copper levels on our kids to see if there is a zinc deficiency okay. because that is very common in our children with Down syndrome. As I've, I've, I'll be honest, I've got some studies here printed up um, that I don't know if it's well known or not that zinc deficiency is common in, in children with Down syndrome. I. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't think I'd heard of that. I'd heard of, uh, yeah. no, maybe I'm trying to think if Ainsley had, uh, I'm trying to think if I did ask for a blood test on that at one time, it was a challenging one to get. I, I remember yeah. it. And so it might be that, that we did do. So yeah, no. And, and we're happy to link all that information in our show notes and stuff. If you're, if yeah. you want to send that to me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I can, I can cite uh, most things that I'm saying for sure. I, I try to be very careful. Um, and so what they're finding is um, zinc can actually inhibit coronavirus um, and the RNA polymerase activity that allows that virus to replicate. Okay. So if we have a child with a zinc deficiency, that virus can have, you know, more of a, an easy uh, way of, uh, of replicating itself. Okay. Um, so, so we're, so ideally we would look at some of these nutritional deficiencies. Now, can you just go ahead and give your child zinc? Um, talk with your doctor about that. <laughs> um, I'll, you know, I'll preface that with saying, however, uh, zinc is generally a safe supplement to give our children. I have found some children to be deficient in copper, mm-hmm. um, my son included, and it, it created a low neutrophil count for him. So I am being very careful whether I choose zinc for him or not uh, during this time. So um, so zinc is very important. Uh, vitamin D is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm giving 5,000 IUs um, a day to all three of us, my, t- my 100 plus pound 12-year-old included. Okay. That's what I'm doing for my family. Okay. Um, and we haven't had our vitamin D levels checked in a while. But, you know, we live in Portland. We just got through the winter. It's yeah. likely that, uh, you know, it's and, it, and it's very difficult to overdose in vitamin D. Um, so, but, you know, do talk with your doctor. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and then, of course, vitamin C. Vitamin C has been really fascinating. Um, what I'd like to um, add here about vitamin C is uh, one of my... Um, 
uh, colleagues, Dr. Paul Anderson, um, he does have, he's very well researched. Mm -hmm. um, he has translated some papers from China um, on their clinical trials on, on intravenous vitamin C in individuals who um, have been confirmed to have the virus. Um, and he has some information on his website, uh, which is consultdranderson.com. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, he has a whole hour and a half long on vitamin C for the treatment of um, coronavirus. Okay. So um, I so we're taking vitamin C again for my family. That's what I'm choosing. Mm -hmm. um, so th I mean, there are many other things, uh, ways to support the immune system. But um, I think from the very basic point of view, it's you know diet, sleep de-stressing yeah. which you know hopefully this um information is is empowering and and mm -hmm. uh, and letting parents know that there are things you can do so oh. yeah yeah there's there's a lot yeah yeah for sure because like i can't self-isolate i'm i have to work as i'm an essential service i work at 911 but also uh -huh. i'm a single parent so i don't really have a lot of choice right now in working and so and and Ainsley's daycare is still currently open so and that that's sort of a big part of that but um you know when you kind of touched on it like what I can also do like how I can protect myself like so obviously when I come in I wash my hands and we've been trying to do a lot more hand washing as than normal but is there anything else like as the parents could be doing yeah absolutely so um so one thing about washing our hands, what I'd like to emphasize is um, I got this from I watched an infectious pediatrician. You know, there's so many videos. Everyone's got their information going on. But this one was really good. Um, she reminded me and emphasized that you, you can walk around all day with this virus on your hands. Right. I don't recommend it. <laughs> it's when you it's when you touch your mouth and your eyes and your face. Right. Right. Yeah. So. A lot of our kids do that, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. With their hands in their mouth, and that's that. To me, that's the concern. So, if you do have a child that you can, you know, kind of uh, um, coach and not to touch their face, that's what I would do. Mm -hmm. uh, for, so, in my family, I know your your family dynamic is, of course, different, but my husband is what we call the goer outer. <laughs> he goes out <laughs> to the grocery store, and yeah. we stay home. And so when he comes back in, he goes right to the bathroom, washes his hands, of course. I clean off the front doorknob with an antibacterial, antimicrobial spray. Um, and But before he leaves, I always say, okay, bye, I love you. Don't touch your face. <laughs> so, when so when he's out and about driving, mm -hmm. right, he said the other day he was driving home and he had the worst itch on his nose, but he just held out um, and he just did not touch his face. Um, so I would, I would add that, you know, everyone's talking about hand washing, but really it's, it's not touching your face. Yes. Uh, and then yes, keeping all your doorknobs and surfaces clean. I literally walk out of my house with a roll of paper towels and my antibacterial spray. <laughs> and you know, we're all kind of turning into germaphobes, but I'm spraying our car door handles. Mm -hmm. Um, any handle we touch when we go out, um, we're cleaning before we even get in the car. Yes. Yeah. yeah it, yes. And I had heard that too about touching your face. I mean, it's hard with young kids to tell them like, yeah, Ainsley's always got her something like a chewy yeah. in her mouth or whatever. Right. And so, yeah, it does Keep it kind of, yeah. 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 yeah, you know, as much as you can anyways. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's yeah. challenging for sure. Mm -hmm. So, um, now, and again, like you, I know you write, we talked a little bit about the article that you recently, uh, wrote and that you put on your blog. And mm -hmm. I think, one thing that I thought was kind of interesting that you mentioned is about, you talked about undiagnosed allergies and you just touched on it mm -hmm. and a lack of vitamin D. 
So are Mm -hmm. you able to explain how these could impact our children with Down syndrome in this current environment? Yeah, I'll start with vitamin D. Vitamin D is kind of an easy one. Um, we, we see lots of children, lots of us in general are deficient in vitamin D, mm-hmm. right? And so um, vitamin D re- synthesis within the body requires um, good cholesterol levels, which requires good fat absorption. We have found that, you know, in, in a, a certain number of children we work with, they are experiencing some fat malabsorption. Mm-hmm. Um, which will impact their vitamin D levels, even if they're taking a supplement of vitamin D. Um, and it gets a little bit more complicated than that. There are some nutrients that are involved in vitamin D synthesis, like uh, riboflavin, vitamin B2, which we find deficient in some of our patients. So um, so s- taking a supplement of vitamin D. Okay. Um, but uh, but we do find that there are some very low numbers, actually, we've seen in some patients uh, when, we, when we check their blood levels. Um, but to speak on the histamine uh, p- part, the mm-hmm. allergies that you mentioned, um, I think I did. I did mention undiagnosed allergies, um, or I said, and or a histamine intolerance, which are uh, similar, but you know they're they're related, but kind of two different things. So, our children with Down syndrome, they can have allergies just like anybody else can. They can have mm-hmm. seasonal allergies, and a doctor might just expect that a child with Down syndrome will be congested and, you know, that's kind of par for the course. And, um, but allergies can, you know, that, that happens. It's called diagnostic overshadowing, which is another big message that we have yeah. uh, is to prevent that, that all symptoms don't just get blamed on our children having Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. So they can have allergies just the same. Like my son, for example, um, uh, two years ago, we moved into a new house and his health really took a turn for the worse. Um, and doing the work that I do, right, I kind of dove deep and ran some testing to figure out what was going on. He has a severe dust allergy, oh. um, highest I've seen in any of my patients I've tested since. And we had some old carpeting in the house that we bought. And so we ripped up that carpeting and it was horrible. Um, and it was really taxing his immune system. Wow. He was getting some other infections um, that I don't want to speak too much about his private health. <laughs> but um, it was really weighing on his immune system. And and we pulled up that carpeting. Cl- I cleaned the house top to bottom from dust, washed the curtains, like you name it. And his health has just markedly improved and his behavior improved. He just felt wow. better. Yeah. So, so it prompted me to dive pretty deep into um, histamine and histamine intolerance and um, and start to test my, my patients with Down syndrome because as I studied the mechanism of histamine within the body and what not only causes it to be released, but then how our body helps manage histamine and clear it, I saw very quickly that, gosh, this can impact a lot of children with Down syndrome potentially. And so what we are finding when we do run just a plasma um, histamine level or a whole blood histamine level, again, another lab, yeah. <laughs> but um, but we are finding high levels of histamine um, in our patients. And when we take some steps to remedy uh, those levels of histamine, we see really significant uh, improvements in their overall health and behavior uh, beyond just their immune system. Yeah, I had a good follow-up with a patient just um, Saturday, which was really good timing that we got this kind of information figured out for this kiddo. Um, And a lot of things had improved for him when his histamine levels came down. So. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah like I just discovered I had some pretty severe allergies a couple of years ago and sure. yeah. And I have to take the allergy shots. It's made a world of a difference, but 
I, I, yeah. I was just, when I read that, I'm going, yeah, like, I mean, I don't know if Ainsley has those, but I thought if I hadn't, you know, been getting the shots or whatever, I could have been affected just in the current totally. environment, right? Totally. And, and not in a good and, way. Yeah. Yeah, right. And and the reason I mentioned um, histamine and mast cells um, as it relates to the this, this coronavirus is that um, some research came out. I don't have the date on my research here, but it's in my... Um, it's in my blog article. Um, I believe it's very recent in the last couple months. What they found is that mast cells within in the lungs are involved in fighting off, you know, infections. Mm-hmm. And part of that inflammatory process and part of those cytokines that people are now learning about mm-hmm. um, in relation to this virus, that um, what will be triggered uh, by those cytokines and by that inflammation are, are mast cells. And then that histamine when it's released, will just perpetuate and increase that inflammation even more. So we want to have a good, healthy immune response. But as with anything, we don't want to go too much Mm because that's where we get into trouble. So it's why I included in my list of things to um, help with this uh, potential histamine issue is is quercetin as well. Quercetin is a well-researched, again, I could put you know, research in there that's in my blog <laughs> that um, that quercetin is a um, an, an, a very powerful antihistamine. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wonderful. And yeah. you, again, going back to your um, your blog, you also mentioned that our children should have a current CBC, or at least in the past three months. Can you explain why this is? Yeah, that again, that 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 timeline there, that's ideal. The the reason I say the last three months is it's nice to know what their kind of current standing is mm-hmm. of just a basic white blood cell count and a lymphocyte count. Okay. Um now again, getting one now is gonna be difficult. Of um and, and yeah. But um ideally we will we would have a current understanding of where our child's immune status is. And I wanna focus on the lymphocytes there. Again, I was looking at some um, a paper that came out, uh, I believe it was just in March, March 11th, I think, of this year, um, and it showed many of the lab findings of, uh, look, I'll say survivors and non-survivors of the virus. So I mm-hmm. studied what did the labs look like of the, these non-survivors, and many of the lab findings were a result of you know, excess inflammatory response, the virus itself, uh, but one of the findings was a low lymphocyte count. And many of our children, um, as research supports as well, um, do have low lymphocyte counts already right now okay. without the virus. So it's it concerns me that they oh. will go into this, God forbid, if they get exposed and they are already have a lymphocyte count, that's a concern, a low lymphocyte count. Um, so we have for a very long time, my colleagues and I in the, off- in the office here are like, what is this low lymphocyte count? So we've studied as in-depth as we can. Um, there are certain things that um, impact those lymphocyte counts, including um, potentially a B6 deficiency. There's some mild, I would say, research to support that. Mm-hmm. Um, oxidative stress can impact uh, lymphocytes. They can just simply be destroyed. We can talk about oxidative stress in a minute. Um, but I think what's most impactful here that relates to our children is glucose metabolism. Okay. We've we've been talking about this a lot in my, um, you know, everyone's got a Facebook group these days. We have yeah. one as well. Um, and we are emphasizing, I think, um, sort of nice timing that we planned this already is uh, focusing on glucose metabolism this month. Um, so lymphocytes, like every other cell of our body and every other cell of our immune system, require a lot of energy, mm-hmm. particularly in the time of an infection. 
And so that energy within the body requires proper metabolism, uh, converting that glucose to energy. And that can be, uh, as it's been well-researched, um, a, a trouble point for our, our children with Down syndrome uh, to varying degrees. Of course. Right, Not, right to varying degrees, yeah. So if so. you get a, if our kids get a CBC, does it, also, does it automatically check the lymphocytes or do you have to ask for that? Perfect. Yeah, it should be a, a CBC with differential. Okay. Um, some CBCs with a differential will have the a differential means looking at the different white blood cell counts, kind mm -hmm. of um, uh, breaks them down into your your neutrophils, your lymphocytes, your monocytes, etc. And some of them will just report them as percents, like okay. compared from one to the other. And while you might be able to see that there's a low lymphocyte count or low lymphocyte, uh, you know, relative to others, white blood cells, um, what would be ideal is to get an absolute count where we get the actual number. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what to ask for. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, this yeah. is all fabulous information. Yeah. And, you know, and obviously we're talking about what's going on in the world right now, but you also mentioned about, and you talked about it, um, about taking vitamin C to prevent oxidative stress before a viral infection is a safe and potentially protective mechanism as well. Can our take, like, how do we do that? Like, can our kids just take a vitamin C each day or what do you suggest? Yeah. So what we often, you know, so um, most children, depending on their age and size, can take somewhere from 1,000 to 2,000 milligrams a day okay. um, safely. Our bodies can tolerate very high doses of vitamin C, especially intravenously. They're using, um, in some cases, 10,000 to 25,000 IUs a day. Intravenously, it's water-soluble. Mm -hmm. uh, what, But orally, when we take it, what happens if, when we take too much um, is it uh, stays in the bowel. It doesn't get absorbed. Okay. Uh, we have only a certain sort of number of receptors of vitamin C uh, sort of receptors on in the bowel. And when we have uh, too much vitamin C that we can't absorb, it pulls water into the bowel. It's called an osmotic diuretic. Okay. And we flush it out. Um, so it will cause loose stools if you take too much of it. So what we sometimes tell parents to do or we do ourselves is we say we take vitamin C up to bowel tolerance. Okay. Right. So you take so you keep increasing the doses till you find out what your dose is that doesn't result in loose stools. Okay. And that's what and that's what you take on a daily basis. So for some children it's a great constipation remedy, actually. Yeah. Um so uh it's very tart. A lot of yeah. um you know, there are a lot of brands on the market that try to, you know, uh mask that. Um liposomal vitamin C is an option that helps with absorb increase that absorption okay. of vitamin C, liposomal the taste can be a little bit different. So there are a lot of different forms of vitamin C on the market, um, powders and things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, that's, that's, yeah. Buffered vitamin yeah. C is good. Yeah. Buffered vitamin C is good because it's very acidic. So they, they add a couple of different minerals to help kind of balance that acidity that can also help with the flavor. Okay. Yeah. Cause I yeah. know they're not, they don't usually taste very good. No, it's difficult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So for parents out there who are navigating this current world that we're in with the COVID-19, it's very stressful, obviously. And mm -hmm. what are, I mean, you've kind of sort of talked about it, but what are your best yeah. suggestions for protecting our kids? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think we did, you know, we did touch upon a lot of things, but mm -hmm. definitely I, I think taking extra precaution. I know there, look, I know that a lot of us are taking more precaution than others and mm -hmm. some are taking 
less precautionary matter, measures. I mean, here in the U.S., state by state, um, some states aren't even taking any action, mm -hmm. as, as I understand it. Um, here in Oregon, we're taking uh, quite a bit of uh, proactive measures from a government perspective because Washington yeah. is to the north of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't wait for your government to mandate, mm -hmm. you know, social distancing and and um, sheltering in place and just just don't take your kids out. Don't take them to the grocery store. I mean, go in your backyard and that's about it. Yeah. Um, and so and, and take the measures like we talked about with hand washing, cleaning your doorknobs. I mean, just pretending in a sense that your hands are dirty from everything you touch. Um, so, so that for sure. And then I guess what we already mentioned with, you know, diet and sleep and, um, and, and as I mentioned in my blog article, good gut health, which mm -hmm. takes, takes a bit of work, um, you know, beforehand, but it's not too late to start, um, looking at diet. Um, if you've been thinking about doing trialing, you know, as some parents do a gluten-free, dairy-free diet, mm -hmm. now's the time. Right. Yeah. If you've been thinking that you should be pulling sugar from your kid's diet, now is the time. It isn't. It's not too late. Um, we can change our gut health and our immune system within days, or even within a day of wow. changing the nutritional status of our children. Um, yeah, it can make a huge impact on their on their immune system and their health. Yeah. Wonderful. I've really enjoyed our conversation. This has been so informative, and I'm I'm sure our listeners will will really appreciate it. Uh, you know, in light of everything that's going on, it's a little unnerving at times. And mm -hmm. you know, you've got lots of blogs and things. So where can people find you? You mentioned a Facebook group, and like, are you on Twitter? I, I you know, yeah. Where um, we so we have our website PearsonCenter.com. I'm sure you'll include that. Yep. Um, I do have a Facebook page because because look, I realize not every family can come see us, mm -hmm. uh, which they don't have to come see us. We do telemedicine with families all over the world. Um, so I do have a Facebook page, Pearson Center um, for Children, where I try to share as much information so that parents can do some of this on their own and read the information, share it with their doctor, always run everything past their own doctor, of course. Um, we have our uh, person first. We, so I've called it the person first medicine for Down syndrome because they are people first. Mm -hmm. We don't do protocols. We don't say, you know, because of their Down syndrome, they need yeah. to do this. Well, let's look at them as a child or a person first. Yes. Um, so, so that's what I've named the group. Um, and uh, we're on Instagram as well, but Pearson Center for Children, but not Twitter. I haven't done that yet. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, fantastic. I, I, yes, I've, I've learned a lot from speaking with you. And, and again, I really appreciate you coming on today and because uh, I'm sure you're getting lots of questions just from your own uh, patients, I'm sure about how to, mm -hmm. to navigate this journey. So I really appreciate yeah, your time. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. So Mary, you interviewed Dr. Pearson on your own for the first time. Mm -hmm. uh, kudos to you, by the way, for being able to do that and, you know, with your help, getting to do that. <laughs> Thank well, you. you know, <laughs> uh, we're in this together. Thank you. Uh, so what were your takeaways from your conversation with Dr. Pearson? Well, as she talked about, you know, really try to eat well. And it's tough, but, you know, more than ever, it's really important to eat, to eat well. And, you know, obviously limiting your uh, being with other people. So social distancing or physical distancing, as you said. 
and don't touch your face and wash your hands which which is somewhat hard for those of us that have glasses but you do the best that you can yeah right? so i make up for it by washing my hands 25,000 times a day well whatever it takes right this is <laughs> these are challenging yeah. times and we like i said earlier we we need to give ourselves grace because this is a hard time right now for everyone for yep. all sorts of reasons but we have to give ourselves that space to it's okay you know we're not ever not everything's going to be perfect and we just got to do the best that we can and as you always say be kind to each other yeah exactly be yeah. kind keep your distance and wash right? your hands and wash your hands yeah and then wash your hands again yes exactly so all right so do we have another show lined up we always have another show lined up so <laughs> we'll just uh we're not sure which one it's going to be for next week, but okay. I'm sure. But we are, are doing a show next week. Of course. Yes, we are. Yep. We're doing okay. the best that we can. Yep. All right. So why don't you lead us on out of this one and uh, go ahead. Thanks for listening to the T21 Mom podcast. And I would love to hear from you. What things are important to you as you navigate this journey of special needs and Down syndrome? And of course, our current situ situation with COVID-19. Let us know. Drop us a line at our email at info at t21mom.com and tell us your stories and things that you want to hear on the podcast. Keep on loving on your rocking kiddos and we will see you next time. Take care, Mary. Thanks, Ron. You too. Bye. Bye.